My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in the region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Gospel of the Lord. So again, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, and, and particularly for those who are visitors, uh, or family members from out of town, or people that maybe this is the first time you've come to Holy Family, just to welcome you to Holy Family as we celebrate this Christmas Mass. My name is Father Jim Churn. I'm the campus minister at the Newman Catholic Center at Montclair State University, and I've been helping out here at Holy Family for the last few months, and it's, it's a joy to be here to celebrate this, this great feast with all of you. This past Thursday night, my two older brothers and I were having a birthday dinner for one of my nieces' ninth birthday. And in the course of it, we somehow stumbled into retelling the story about my mother and the last year our family ever had a live Christmas tree. It was back in 2001, so it was only a couple months after 9-11, which had the entire nation, especially this region of the nation, really sad and stressed. And as it happened, it was only a few weeks after my father had had open-heart surgery and was just home and starting to recoup from that. So it was less than an ideal environment, let alone one to celebrate Christmas in. But Mom was determined we were going to have as great a Christmas as ever. And at the time, I was just ordained a priest for about two years and had just come home from my day off when she asked me to, to go get the Christmas tree. And there was a farm right across the street from where we live, where we purchased our trees every year. So I paid one of the workers to, to come help me carry the tree and set it up in the house, knowing that my parents weren't going to be able to help me do much. I wanted to get this done 
ASAP and to get out of Dodge as quickly as possible. So, so we did, and it was this beautiful, beautiful looking tree that just filled the entire window in the front of the house and got the lights on it. And then I kind of hightailed it out and get back to the parish in, in West Orange. As my mom got to work on hanging the decorations, getting the tinsel, she had gone out and purchased these red, white, and blue carnations, and she put them all over the tree just to add it as a tribute to the nation. And when I talked to her later that night, she sounded exhausted, but was relieved that another thing on her Christmas to-do list was done in an already stress-filled, tension-filled year. Next morning was a Sunday, so in between masses, I had run back to the rectory and ran upstairs to my room, and I saw my answering machine light blinking, which was odd. I would rarely get a phone call early in the day on a Sunday. So I played the message and heard my mother hysterically crying on the phone. It took a second listen to hear that what had happened. Dad was okay. The Christmas tree was not. It seems my assistant tree installer didn't quite get it as secure as we thought in the base and overnight the tree had collapsed. And I can only make out words like water everywhere, branches snapped, ornaments broken, carnations destroyed. And then the granddaddy of them all, my mom using a quite unfestive word, <laughs> which in my whole life I had never heard her utter before because she hated it that much, to describe the Christmas tree. I kind of had to listen a few times to make sure I had heard what I thought I had heard. So I quickly realized that things at the churn house had reached DEFCON 1, very, very severe. And there was no way I was calling home. <laughs> I was like, I'll leave that for my oldest brother. So I called him up, figuring, not just completely out of fear, although a little bit, but practicality. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get home for a few hours and figured she was looking for help relatively quickly. So my oldest brother answers with a less than cheery hello, as it was still early for a 30-something-year-old who had been out the late the night before, even though it was 10 a.m. And when he realized it was me, his youngest brother calling, he angrily is like, what? Why is everyone calling so friggin' early this morning? And that might be a paraphrase, too. And I explained this very volatile situation at home that had just gotten this message on my machine. He says, I know. Mom already called me. I'm like, well, don't you think you might want to get down there? And he's like, it's not like the tree's going anywhere. What difference does it make now? And so ended the Churn family ever having a live Christmas tree again. So the three of us were all kind of laughing about the insanity of the whole thing on, on Thursday night and kind of chalking it up to a, another tale of how crazy people can get during the Christmas season. And irony of ironies, Friday morning, I go outside the Newmington Catholic Center in Montclair where we had put up this beautiful and expensive artificial tree that was about 12 feet tall outside the Newman Center and saw that it had gotten knocked down by all the wind and rainstorm that we had Thursday into Friday. So there I am frantically trying to pick it up in the rain for a good 45 minutes until I was good, wet, cold, muddy, completely unsuccessful by the way, and I wasn't quite in the fa-la-la mood either. I left and ran about all my things that I had to do, and then when I got home later that night, I see the poor monstrosity there. Now the branches are all completely disconnected on the ground. 
I really should have unplugged the lights before I left, realizing I left it like that, because now it just looked like something from Chevy Chase's Christmas Vacation. As I'm angrily running to stores, searching for gifts, since Amazon Prime wasn't as prime as I thought it was going to be. Then I go inside, I see all these packages of gifts that need to be wrapped. I see Christmas cards that I had purchased that was going to be sent out, still sitting there in the unopened package. And I kind of said to myself, well, I've learned a few things today. One, never laugh at mom again. That Italian curse really does work. And number two, I probably don't have a lot of credibility about preaching about not succumbing to the craziness of the season and letting that distract us from the true meaning of Christmas. Which is why I want to, again, thank you all for gathering together for this this Christmas Mass. Because it's impressive with all the insanity that all of us can put ourselves into in anticipation for this holiday that there's something within us even with our our crowded list of busy things to do that we have to finish, that we're all gathered together for this Christmas Day Mass. And what we hear is what fills Jesus' heart with joy is that we're here. He's not scolding us for not preparing more spiritually for this day. He's not looking to make us feel guilty about perhaps our foolish overextending of ourselves to create a perfect Christmas. Because honestly, I think Jesus kind of expects that Christmas will always be less than ideal, less than perfect. Because if we look at the entirety of the Christmas story, we hear about Joseph's lineage, the family that the Messiah would come from, which includes prostitutes and murderers and philanderers. So that's less than perfect and less than ideal. We hear of doubts and worries and fears about how everything's going to be accomplished for this miraculous birth, which probably felt less miraculous and more stressful by the day. There's no room for them at the end. The pregnant Mary and Joseph are traveling in dangerous, hazardous, and lonely circumstances, ultimately with a baby being born in the manger. And even after that birth, the threats, the fears, the dangers would only continue But the point is, in the midst of all that brokenness, and despite those less than perfect or ideal situations, God shows up and he stays with them. So our annual celebration of Christmas is meant to remind us of the same thing. God still shows up and he stays with us wherever it is that we find ourselves this Christmas. So whether it's dealing with some tremendous sadness of experiencing a Christmas without a loved one, or if you have fears or problems at home or at work or at school, or just anxieties that we carry about ourselves or about our loved ones, all of which we we desperately try to put on the back burner for a bit, or even if you just find yourself exhausted from the stress of this Christmas season that has you ready to collapse, Wherever it is we find ourselves, Christmas tells us that God shows up and stays with us. And he'll take whatever space it is we're able to supply. A manger sufficed for that first Christmas. So this Christmas, if this is the first time you've walked into church ever, 
or if you were here a day ago for Sunday Mass, or everyone in between those two examples and extremes. God will use that. God will take that. Because the Christmas story is about the God who is so crazy in love with us that he will do anything and try any way he can to be a part of our lives. All to bring about that dream that he has, to lead us past the brokenness, past the stresses and fears and tensions that we put on ourselves each and every day, to ultimately realize that he who is the beginning and the end of all things is the only thing that ultimately matters. And all of us need that reminder, especially myself, that dawned on me coming back at 11 p.m. on Friday night after a Target run, buying a sewing machine for one of my nieces. On the surface, I thought to myself, I'm probably not demonstrating someone who's anticipating Jesus' birth or bearing witness to his presence in my life as I was running in and out of that, that parking lot. But if we can recognize the love there for my family that drove me to succumb to that annual Christmas craziness, God can enter into that space. God can use that to remind me of the lengths that he has gone through to express his love for me and for you and giving us his most precious gift of all, Jesus Christ, his son. May we joyfully receive that gift, receive him, so that we may truly have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year that's filled with his presence each and every day, a presence that makes our imperfect Christmases and our imperfect selves, at least in his eyes, perfect.